in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power, oranges lust, and blues you can trust, indigos feel, and white ones heal, yellow scare, and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hello, I am Brody Saint Walker. The last time the listeners of the Lantern cast heard my voice, I was singing a heartfelt duet with my unconventional friend, Arkillo. I was asked by host Chad Bokelman and Mark Marble to speak with you t- today about hope. The blue light of hope is the most powerful part of the emotional spectrum. Even in dark and depressing times, hope can see us through. Whether one is struggling with war and violence, or is suffering from more internal, personal demons, one must never lose hope. Hope is not only the key to perseverance, but survival itself. I urge all of you to never lose sight of this rare and unique emotion. If you truly embrace this feeling and the light it represents, all will be well. Oh, pardon me. I'm sorry, but my power ring is sending me an urgent communication. It would appear my ring can no longer track or even sense White Lantern Kyle Rayner. I must admit, I find this news most disturbing. Depressing, even. Hmm. In light of this new development, forget everything I've just said. We're all screwed. Until next time, this is Brody St. Walker bidding a fond farewell. Hello, and welcome to the Fandom Stranger Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Bokelman, and I'd like to welcome you yet again as we delve ever deeper into the mists of the mystical, explore the innermost ravings of souls long departed, and search evermore for redemption and light amongst the damned. Once more we meet for our monthly discussion of the wanderings of the phantom strange. Let our journey be hindered no longer, and let us launch ourselves headlong into the unknown. This month we're discussing Phantom Stranger number 5, cover dated January-February of 1970, entitled The Devil's Playground. We open with the Phantom Stranger saying, I come from nowhere, I am everywhere, I am the Phantom Stranger. I am here to touch you with the terrible gift of second sight. You will see the ghost of Earl Winthrop returning to atone for the untold pain and anguish he caused during his ruthless lifetime. Look down with me at a lonely beach by the sinister sea, restless as a sighing cemetery 
And follow my four young friends To a bleak and lonely place I call The Devil's Playground. We cut to a scene of four teenage youngsters, three men and one woman, as they see a man calling to them from the waves of the sea. He is cold and stiff, and they are very frightened. And as they lay him down on the sand, they say, I think he's dead. They discuss the possibility of it being a prank or some other thing. They see a flashlight coming towards them. And a man with a dog addresses them. They point to the man that they have recently laid onto the sand. And he, to their surprise, is gone. The children leave as the man's dog starts baying into the night. We cut back into the city to Dr. Terence Thirteen and his wife Maria as lightning cracks atop a skyscraper. We see amongst the lightning that the Phantom Stranger has arrived. But where there is light there is darkness, and so too has Tala arrived. And we are led to believe that Tala, Phantom Stranger, and Dr. Terence Thirteen will soon confront one another. We cut to the night following as the children are dancing with one another. Tala is there watching over them, as is Terence Thirteen with his wife, Maria. We see a man named Earl Winthrop push aside his girl, Vera, telling her to spare him her tears, that they only make her look like an ugly little rag doll. He tells her to drive herself home, and as she does drive and scream into the night with her vehicle, weeping with sorrow, her car veers out of control, crashing over a bridge and falling deep into the waters below. Phantom Stranger shows up. She has already passed but her tears are still there. He believes that she deserves better than to die in that place and have her body lay there for eternity. So he brings her up onto the docks as policemen arrive at the scene. As they turn to address the phantom stranger, he is gone. The cops say, We'll need your name for our re- He's gone. The stranger's gone. Like a phantom melting into thin air. We cut back to the party. As Earl is approaching one of the women from the night before. She recognizes Earl 
as the ghost that they had seen on the shores of the beach the night before. She takes his hand, and they go in to dance. As Earl begins to dance with her, Tala causes the chandelier above to crash down and start a fire. People begin to panic, but the phantom stranger arrives and begins putting out the flames. Tala approaches the phantom stranger, attempting to seduce him. Terence, thirteen, in a state of eternal doubt, says that the phantom stranger's cape must be lined with asbestos. As everyone exits the club, Earl addresses the crowd and says, I'm going out of town, but please come to my house this weekend. We shall have a party. Light yourself in, and we will have a great time. Next weekend they arrive to the housekeeper, who is weeping as Earl Winthrop and his plane had crashed into the sea. He's supposedly dead, but the teens continue, and the young people continue their party at his residence in his memory. He shows up, out of the blue, seemingly not dead. He begins dancing with every woman at the party, seemingly asking them all a question, which they all laugh off. There's a warning of a hurricane, and everyone leaves, save for Terence Thirteen, and some of the children from the start of the story. He invites the woman out. Earl Winthrop invites the woman out. Onto the beach for a walk along the sand. He tells her he is in fact dead. And that a light had shone down from him after he crashed into the water. And said that you had stepped on many people. Smash so many lives, you have ended by shattering your own life too. You are doomed to float in eternal loneliness from one angry sea to another, forever, a lost soul. Only tears can save you, but you have your life back for this one night only, to find someone who will weep tears of pity for you. For if you fail, your soul shall be eternally doomed. Earl further reveals that he has asked every woman at the party if they would shed a tear in pity over him. And they had all laughed him off. This woman begins to shed tears, true tears of pity for him. And he thanks her and walks off into the night. Then Tala shows up, saying that she will drag him, that she will drag her into the abyss and the waiting sea, along with Earl. When the phantom stranger grabs a hold of her to protect her from Tala, Tala backs off, and as the phantom stranger walks this woman, Wild Rose, 
back towards her friends in Terence 13. Suddenly she returns with a tidal wave. And he and the Phantom Stranger and Tala engage in an epic battle. The waters recede, and Terence 13 still doubts. The Phantom Stranger evaporates into the abyss, and all is safe. And that is the end of this story. Hi, everyone. This is Bill Clinton. Nah, and I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 1442. We're talking about Blackest Night. Indeed, Blackest Night. Everybody's been waiting for this storyline, including Arnold and I. And let's be honest, you're not going to find two bigger Green Lantern fans than me and Arnold. Right, Arnie? Ah, that's right. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself. I would have to say this storyline so far has met, I should say, probably looking at it as a whole, this storyline really has knocked it out of the park. And you will, I think what sold it for me was Carol Ferris and that Star Sapphire outfit. I have to I have to admit that. I just, I don't know. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Good. I like that, Arnie. That's what I was thinking, too, when I was reading that comic book. A lot of sounds like that. I can't lie. And I, and I can't lie about this either. I have to be honest. Carol Ferris. I have to admit this. I would have sex with that woman, Carol Ferris, any day of the week, twice on Sunday. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> who, is, who is your favorite Black Lantern, Arnie? Well, it's not the Martian Manhunter. Oh, it's, it's not Martian Manhunter at all. It's, it's, it's definitely not Martian Manhunter. The Black Lanterns are stupid. And you, 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 with the White Lanterns, you, they just pop up and it's just like, come with me if you want to leave. That's true. I actually thought of that when I was when Indigo 1 popped up. It reminded me of that Terminator movie of yours, you know. Just popping in out of nowhere, saving everybody's asses and spouting a, a catchy line, which, of course, you're really good at, but... I don't know. I thought I I didn't mind the Wild Lanterns. I thought I thought they were pretty good, but again, you know, I, I can't help it. Everything I, when I think of Black, it's not. I always I just I'm always gonna think of Carol Ferris because she's got you know, she has two really big things that I admire in a woman. Two really big things: dark hair and a power ring. Put the comic That's- down. <laughs> I'm glad you told me to put that down and not something else. But yes, I'll do what you say, Artie. I don't want to get you mad at me. Well, one thing's for sure about the Black Lanterns. They'll be back. <laughs> That's true. You can almost count on it. You know there'll be a second storyline and those Black Lanterns will pop up just when you least expect them, you know. Just like a sex scandal. Get through the papa. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Necron, you could you could say Necron is the Papa of the Black Lanterns. That was good, Arnie. You're always thinking outside the box. It'll be Papa. <laughs> indeed, Arnie. Indeed. I thought I thought it was pretty good how they dug up some of those characters that I mean we know they're famous because they're dead, but you didn't really think they'd show up on this storyline. Like like when Alex Dewitt showed up, and including bringing that refrigerator, I thought that was high class. 
absolute high class. And, you know, some people, and I can understand why Kyle would have a problem finding his significant other in the fridge and having that thrown back in his face. But for some reason, when I think of my significant other stuffed dead in the fridge, it just doesn't bother me that much. Nah, she was one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> Are you talking about Alex, or should I read more into that? Nah. <laughs> I will try not to be offended, and I will assume you mean Alex DeWitt, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that was pretty good. So, what, what do you think, Arnie? Do you, do you, do you think we should sh- do what we do best, and, and you think I should begin the Green Lantern Oath? Do it! Do it now! <laughs> well, I think I will take you up on that in brightest day. In black as night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might. Beware my power. Green lantern's light. Well done, Artie. Well done. Well, hello there, gorgeous, and welcome to tonight's episode of the Sapphire Power Hour. I'm your host, Dr. Zamoron, your ear to the ground on all things love. Let's start off the night with a bit of Q&A, shall we? Oh, it looks like we're down to only two tonight, but let's get through these. Our first question comes from Bumbling Reporter 01 out in Metropolis. How do I ask out a local news reporter? <laughs> well, my friend, you have stumbled onto that most crucial of modern dilemmas. When it comes to those in the public eye, how do we know who is really interested and who is just being nice? Is a waitress flirting or just trying to get a bigger tip? Is a bank teller a relentless flirt or is it her job to smile and laugh that much? Is a local personality trying to save face for her public image or does she got a thing for you? My money's on the ladder, my friend, so get super and tell that sassy young lady how you really feel. Our final question for the night comes from Speed Demon out in Central City. My girl is always asking me to slow down and take my time. How do I make her happy? Well, my main man, it depends on what we're talking about. Are we talking about more day-to-day affairs or something more sensual? <laughs> Well, my advice to you, Speed Demon, is the same. All ladies like what they like, and it just doesn't make any kind of sense to rush them past the game and just show them the highlight reel. You gotta slow down from time to time. It's the only way they'll see that finesse. And with that comes tonight's Oral Oath segment. We've all heard that nice guys finish last, but what we as a culture are really missing out on is the truth of the matter. Do women really want a bad boy, or do they want the man that's gonna show up and take care of them? Not that they can't take care of themselves, I am all for women's lib, 
But let me tell you, do they want a stout and powerful man? Or do they want someone that's just more laid back? Well, I'm here to tell you. That worked great, actually. <laughs> this is gonna be fucking ridiculous. <laughs> See, e- even with just a bare bones script, and we had to wing it a little bit, we- we're not that really that bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Right towards the end, I was trying to find, look up other Arnold Schwarzenegger quote quotes, but I couldn't find any. <laughs>